after Power Ledger, we were the first WA company to get funding when it was only a $3 million fund. Mm -hmm. It's now a $23 million fund and it looks like we're the first company to get, you know, a larger amount out of that. Yeah. yeah, Follow on investment. Welcome to Startup West, the podcast about building scalable tech startups in sunny Western Australia. My name is Danelle Cross. And I'm Charlie Gunningham. And in this episode, we're talking with Suzanne Dodds, the founder and CEO of home water filtration systems company, Complete Home Filtration. Hi, Suzanne, and welcome to Startup West. Hello, Charlie. (laughs) Thank you very much. Great to have you here. Can you briefly tell us about Complete Home Filtration, for those that don't know what it does and how's it all going? Sure. Uh, Complete Home Filtration is a whole-of-home water filtration specialist. So we basically offer bespoke uh, solutions to the whole home's water issues. Right. So it's a it's a unit you buy and and a plumber or someone installs it yeah. outside the house. Can you explain Absolutely. how it all works? So it's basically called a point of entry system. So right. a lot of water filtration in the home is point of use, which is under sinks, fridge filters, that right. sort of stuff. Whereas we do point of entry, which means that it attaches onto the mains pipe. So all the water as it comes into the home is all filtered and in some cases softened before it enters the home. So it's right. better for drinking, bathing, showering. Pipes do better with it, washing machines, dishwashers, all the appliances in the home as well. Fab. And where did the idea come from, Suzanne? So I've been in water filtration for the last 13 years. Originally founded a water cooler rental business here in WA in 2007. And so have been doing loads of research and reading and, you know, investigating what's going on Mm -hmm. here in Australia, what's going on around the world with water filtration. And actually was at a convention probably around about 2013 in Malaysia and saw that these type of systems uh, were being offered internationally. They're very big in the States. Mm. Um, But for some reason, they just weren't popular in Australia. And I suppose the reason is that a lot of traditional water filtration companies, they make a lot of money selling filters for under sink filters Mm. or fridge filters. Like a standard fridge filter is about $80. And they change them two or three times a year. So you think like that's like $240 a year on one fridge filter. That's And the margins are huge on those type of filters. So a lot of the water filtration companies just hadn't been marketing them. Or they're carrying around the water bottles, those blue water bottles. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And that's a repeat business, yeah, Yeah. on and on and on. Yeah, so there was a smarter way to do it, but the incumbents couldn't really do it without cannibalizing their own business. Right. So that's why when I exited the the cola cooler business uh, back in 2017, uh, a year later then I was ready to get into providing a a proper solution solution for residential properties. And your Mm. unit costs how much? It really depends. So we've got a couple of different, you know, as I say, we do bespoke solutions to water in the home. So what we do normally is we'll go and do a site assessment. We'll have a look at what's involved with the plumbing, with the installation. We'll do just a very rudimentary water test, basically looking at chlorine levels and hardness levels and TDS. And then, you know, we'll suggest the best system for that property. So some homes don't need a softener. Others do. Some need like an extra layer of carbon or granular activated carbon, things like that. So we have systems that range from if they just want point of use, we've got really good RO units that'll go for just over $1,000 right Mm -hmm. up to your full Rolls-Royce of water filtration, which is a combination of both the complete system at the door 
and yeah. also the the point of use with you know things like fluoride removed from the water, which is very hard to do just with filtration. Right. You need a reverse osmosis membrane for that. So they go up to about five and a half thousand. So what sort of things are in our water that mm. we need to filter out? Be well, that is. What are we fair. drinking, Suzanne? <laughs> what are you drinking? That's the question. Um, you can read the Australian Drinking Water Guidelines. They right. are very comprehensive and they basically outline all of the thresholds for all of the different chemicals that can be in the water. Right. Um, certainly, you know, what we are very big on training our staff on is, you know, the Water Corp does an absolutely fantastic job of mm. making sure we all have safe water that arrives at our home and yep. we have enough of it. You know, mm. we've got very similar climate to the likes of South Africa. They mm. have major water restrictions going on because, you know, whoever's in charge of their water mm. is not doing as good a job as what our Water Corp is doing. Right. Um, so, you know, the Water Corp does a great job. The way I talk about chlorine is chlorine is basically, in my mind, food. It's packaging for your water. You know, it gets right. your water to your home sanitary. Right. You know, chlorine basically kills kills organic matter. It kills that bugs. might be in the pipes. Is that well, the idea? Yeah, or we'll just, as like, the water's going the through water. the pipes? Well, just where the water comes from. Oh, right. It, it okay. has things in it. You know, it's right. either groundwater from a dam or 4WA. Most of it comes from the desal plants. Yep. And then it goes down into the aquifers and it right. sort of just goes through the system that way. But, you know, water is the universal solvent. You know, it, right. it things dissolve into water. Bacteria grows in water. Viruses can live in water. You right. know, if we don't want typhoid, cholera, all of those sorts of things, we need to have a sanitizing agent in the water. Right. And that's where chlorine that's comes in. But you don't want to drink effective. chlorine. Exactly. Is your point. So it right. keeps your it keeps your water clean while it travels through pipes that are, you know, mm -hmm. old yeah. and a little bit disgusting if you're just <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But once it gets to your home, as I say, it makes sense to remove that packaging before you consume it. Um, and not just drinking, but showering and bathing in it yeah. as well. And the beauty benefits. I was doing a bit of stalking of you before the, the filming <laughs> of the podcast, the recording of the podcast. So the beauty benefits to skin, hair. Massive. Can you talk us a bit through that? Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of science out there. I just read an article, posted it to all of our guys on our WhatsApp group the other day about hard water and how mm. hard water and the minerals in hard water can actually break down some of the protective things that are on your skin that help your skin you know, yep. stay supple. And we'll have that um, up on our website as well if anyone's interested to have mm. a look at it. But also chlorine. You know, mm. if, if anyone swims, you know that when your body or your skin is exposed to chlorine, it gets a little bit dry. dry. Yeah. And one of the biggest things that we hear from customers after they've got the installation is that their skin feels totally different and their hair feels totally different. Right. Mm, so right. it's just removing, you know, like softening and also removing chemicals like trihalomethanes um, and obviously the chlorine as well from the water. I guess you... then quite a lot of education has to come along to explain this mm. to customers. It's yeah. not like a customer problem that people are waking up 2 o'clock in the morning going, oh, I wish someone would rid me of this chlorine. <laughs> totally. They don't even know what yeah. they're drinking probably. You have to educate them exactly, yeah. in order to sell. Yeah. So how yeah. do you do that? Well, we do a lot of training with our guys um, and you know, we basically, when people inquire either through Facebook, Google, or through our direct marketing campaigns, mm -hmm. the first step is like, okay, you're interested. Let's send one of our trained staff in to actually have a conversation with you. And mm -hmm. to test the water, presumably. Test the right. water, but also, you know, people 
have their own preferences about what level of filtration they want their water okay. to. Some people want fluoride in, some people want fluoride out. And, you know, some people are more concerned about chlorine and chemicals than they are about softening the water. Right. So, you know, everyone's got their own personal preferences yeah. when it comes to water, what they're really concerned about. So it's just being able to have that conversation with people. And as I say, offer a bespoke solution to, you know, what they what they need really. Mm. And is there anyone else doing this in this space? Uh, Offering the complete solution. Yes, there are other companies that do complete home systems mm. um, and you will start to see it more and more getting marketed. And right. that's the unfortunate yeah, sure. thing, you know, when we started back in March 2018, mm. no one was really doing it. Mm. But, you know, people that sell these products, they've been sitting at the back of the shelf for a while. Mm-hmm. Now they're looking at what we're doing and they're seeing all of our Facebook advertising. And, you know, right. we're spending a lot of money getting the word out there to educate and to people. Educate, yeah. And they are unfortunately piggybacking off a lot of the work <laughs> that we've been doing. So, yeah, well, I, I really believe within the next sort of 10 years that most Australian homes will have one of these because mm. it's just smarter. Once mm. it's installed, the costs of replacing your filters are, you know, somewhere in the region of about $300, $320 for a year. Mm-hmm. And that's on sort of a nine-month um, replacement cycle, which, you know, it's it's in the ballpark of one fridge filter. Yeah. So it is just a smarter way to do it. And then you've got the whole home filtered. Mm. Right. So what proportion of the market do you have at the moment? Are you the market leader? You know, what's the sort of size you think that's out there that you could go and get? I think there's 2.8 million homes in Australia that are in our target market. So they're right. um, actual homeowners living in their own single dwelling homes right. in metropolitan areas throughout Australia. The, I mean, the market is bigger in terms of we get loads of inquiries from rural customers and we're now starting to offer, you know, products for tank water, um, mm, for those customers yes. as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, the market is huge. Back so we're talking billions, aren't we? Because 2.8 million and it's a few thousand dollars to put it in. Yeah. We're talking billions of dollars just in Australia. Yep. Potential market. It's a huge market. Really and are is. you the number one at the moment? Are you the leading the charge? I don't know, actually. Do you want to tell? I don't think anyone would be doing as many um, per month as what we're doing. Mm. Um, but there have been people selling them in the background for, right, for a you while. know quite a while. Mm. So... Yeah. I would say probably within the next 12 to 24 months, we will be the absolute market leader, yes. And you're in West Australia, smashing it here. Yeah. But you now opened Brisbane. Yep. You were there this week, I think. Yes, last uh, week. Last week. And you're going to open in Sydney and Melbourne and those are that, that's sort of on the, for 2021, that's sort of 2021, we will be doing Sydney and also Adelaide. Right. Uh, Melbourne is on the horizon, but not probably next year. So the the plan is to get Brisbane set up, get Sydney set up, then probably the middle of next year, get Adelaide set up. Mm. And we've also got our PFAS product as well. That, yes, I want to get mm, to that in a sec. Mm, yeah. Let's find out a bit mm. more about that. But first, I just wanted to ask COVID. So obviously a bit of an unusual year this year. Mm. What impact has that had on your business? If any. Yes, it did. It, mm. it, it's had both a negative mm, and a positive effect. Yeah. So initially in April, when all the lockdowns happened, you know, we had to really scale back on a lot of our marketing that we were doing. So April, you know, our trajectory was just going up, 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 up. And April, mm. it went down sure. uh, for the first time, which was a little bit devastating. Um, Presumably because you couldn't get into the houses. Uh, well, we could still do individual appointments. Right. So people at home were still allowed to have one person in okay. their home. 
just want your life to have any more than that. But, you know, a lot of people were okay with it and some people weren't. Mm, But a lot of the community marketing that we do, the event marketing that we were doing back then in the shopping malls, all that had to stop. Mm, Of course. Mm. But what it did force us to do was to really focus in, like laser focus on our digital marketing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, where before, you know, we we were probably doing about 20% of our Mm. total sales volume from digital. Now we're doing about 60%. So we've literally come out of the COVID experience during twice the volume of sales that we were doing before. Fabulous. Yeah. And people spending time at home and then, you know, wanting to experience that. Absolutely, yeah. would have added to it. So I want to get onto the PFAS product because that's like a separate, Mm. um, almost like extension strategy, different product to the... B2C home market that you've got. Mm. And, uh, and I've got to disclose that I was involved in a government grant program uh, last year that, that got you a grant. So I, yep. I, I, I obviously was aware of you. And then you said you had this PFAS product. And for that, the, the novelty behind that and the technology behind that is what you got the grant for. So not pe- people probably don't know what PFAS is. Mm. I, I know it sort of stands <laughs> for something very, very complicated. And yep. I can't even remember what it, very difficult to say, perfluoro something, something, something. Yeah. Uh, Tell us about PFAS and the global opportunity there because you've got a product seems to be a bit of a world beater in that regard. So far, so good, yeah. Mm. So PFAS, probably easier to call them forever chemicals. That's what people in the yeah. PFAS sort of industry do. They are per and polyfluoral alkyl substances. Which, I'm glad mm, you said that. Say that twice, please. <laughs> PFAS is easier. Um, they're basically very um, hard to destroy compounds. So they... Um, they're used in Teflon, Scotchgard, mm-hmm. and AFFF firefighting foams that defense and the fire brigades all around the world have been using. And they're um, now banned as a substance, they, is that yeah. right? Yes, they but are. they're still in landfill and they've got into water bores. And, and there as you are, say, they're forever chemicals, so they're always there. Mm. Yeah, and there are, you know, over a thousand of them, really. But the ones that are regulated against, there's only three. Right. So, you know, regulations are just starting to catch up with this issue uh, as, you know, scientists sort of really work out what is the issue and what is it doing. But you've probably all seen Dark Waters and, Mm. you know, the various books that have been written about it. You know, it is a real issue. It is causing health, adverse health outcomes around the world. to cancers and... Lots of links to cancers, Mm. um, infertility issues, cholesterol, all sorts of adverse health outcomes. Um, the full extent of it's not really known, but a lot of people in the industry are calling it the next asbestos. Right. Wow. And you've got a water filter that can eliminate PFAS from water. If there is PFAS or too high PFAS, yeah. it can eliminate, I completely eliminate, I think, mm. the early results are showing PFAS from water, which is a world first product. Is that right? Yes, we believe so. So to do it the way that we're doing it in a real world setting, so there are other filters and certainly when we, we've been working a lot with Curtin University on this and when we started doing our testing, mm. you know, the filter that we put together, testing it in the lab with just um, PFOA and PFOS, we were actually getting what should have been a filter that, you know, for the size it was, would remove, you know, those levels, you know, like the limit mm. levels of P, PFOA and PFOS from the water for 10 million liters. Right. But when you then put that filter into a real world setting and mm. it's either chlorinated tap water or it's bore water, that's it's not just PFAS that's in the water. You know, you've got lots of other right. stuff in the water. So what tends to happen is the longevity of the filters just, you know, goes down to virtually nothing. So that same right. filter that we thought, you know, it was just primarily um, granular activated carbon with some other stuff in there. And it literally, you know, it lasted two weeks. 
Right. So we sort of were really working on putting other stuff in there that not only reduced the PFAS, but also left some of the other filtration media free to deal with the PFAS. Ah. So it's really just the way that you pre-filter, filter and post-filter mm. the water to get the results. So now... Um, we're just coming to the end of a really successful trial and we have now got our system that is removing 100% uh, down to trace levels. And this is all NADA accredited lab results that, you know, Curtin's actually been doing an audit on it. So they've mm. been up, um, collected all of our samples from the system, under chain of custody, delivered them to the lab. They're, they're now producing the report for us. And basically right up to over six months worth of volume for a typical home, for the whole home, um, we've got. 100% PFAS removal wow. down to mm. trace level reporting. And this filter fits in the existing system? A version of it will be able to, but for, you know, the water that we're running the trial on at the moment is bore water. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it is a bit of a larger yeah. unit than right. what we yep. will produce for just normal residential properties that already have treated water coming to the home. Yeah. And so department, you probably can't tell, this is probably an official secret, but Department of Defence are trialling your unit, is that right? At, at some sites that have been near RAF sites that have got this PFAS in the bore water. Yes. So right? we've um, been getting some support from Department of Defence for the last 18 months. Yeah. Um, Defence Science Centre was also involved back in the early days of mm. helping us with funding and having access to um, the APR intern program oh, yeah. yep. for Manaswini, who's the PhD uh, scientist who's been helping us with all of our sciencey stuff. Mm, great, great. Yeah. Good um, luck with that. So you've just completed a two point four million dollars Series A raise. Yeah. Mm. Um, we'd just like to find out a bit more about how that was completed and and um, yeah, who was in the round, I guess. Yeah. So we um, had some seed funding from I think I believe you've had Derek on the Being show Gerard, already and I did listen to his podcast and I heard you talking about my accent, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have a go with his accent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what accent, Suzanne? I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah, <laughs> apparently you were going to need a translator for me, but hopefully I'm doing okay. Ooh, Derek <laughs> didn't say that. Did he? <laughs> um, so yeah, no, lovely. Um, the guys at Better Labs, both Derek and James, mm -hmm. so they did the seed funding we were, after Power Ledger, we were the first WA company to get funding when it was only a $3 million fund. Mm -hmm. It's now a $23 million fund, and it looks like we're the first company to get, you know, a larger amount out of that yeah. Yeah, yeah. follow-on investment. So they invested back in March of 2019 when funds actually hit the bank and everything was finalized. And then over the, the subsequent sort of 18 months, we've sort of time seven our revenue mm. at that point mm. and they then said okay well you, if you need further funding we're interested mm -hmm. and so it was a matched funding offer so went to market and had some conversations with some people regarding getting that matched funding and we're very happy to get Andrew Sipkes from Tasmania from mm -hmm. the Sipkes family office who came mm. in with uh, 1.5 million actually. Fantastic. So yeah. Better Labs put in 900,000 to top up their 300 odd from previous years. 250, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 250 mm. odd. Okay, mm. great. Yeah. Fantastic. So that's, a, that's a significant round. It is. Well done. And that will allow you to do the rest of Australia and set up these offices that you were talking about? Yes. So that right. will, um, we've earmarked that those funds for Brisbane, for Adelaide, and for PFAS development as well. Right, of course. Fabulous. Yep, yep, yep. 
All right, let's take a bit of a step back. So can you talk us through your career from your own schooling and your fascinating career? We were talking um, off air about, you know, your journey to Perth, really. Yeah, it's a long story. I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we have time for this. Shorten uh, a little so bit. So obviously I'm, I'm from Belfast in Northern Ireland and my parents immigrated out to New Zealand and then Australia when I was six months. So I spent the early childhood sort of in those countries. Mm. By the time I was 12, I ended up back in Northern Ireland, did secondary school there, went to university, did a Bachelor of Science in Economics mm. um, and Business Economics as a minor. And from there, had always wanted to come back to Australia. Mm. So got married straight after uni, came out to Australia and just accidentally, while I was waiting on my proper job with my economics degree, mm-hmm. uh, answered an ad in the paper it was back then, I'm showing my mm. age now, <laughs> um, and started in a sales contractor role for a large global organization that had some very big um, contracts with, one that I was working on was with ANZ Bank, had a co-branded credit card with Westfield Shopping Centers. Mm-hmm. So I was basically working in the shopping centers, uh, getting people to apply for a credit card. Uh-huh. So worked out that I was actually quite good at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the company asked me if I'd be interested in going down to Adelaide and setting up my own business and contracting directly to them and running all of the malls in Adelaide and basically recruiting, building the team and managing the business down there. So Fantastic. I ended up setting up my first company when I was 24 down in Adelaide. And after a couple of years, that same organization that I was contracting to, the chairman who was London-based, but had come out to Australia, I had a couple of Korean guys in my office and we were sort of devising a plan how we could get into Seoul, you know, and actually start the business up there. Mm -hmm. So started talking to him about it. Would they, you know, financially back us to go over and set up the company over in uh, South Korea? Mm -hmm. So went over to South Korea, set the business up and literally had my first two staff came from my office in Adelaide, brought my husband with me, and we we basically went from just us to 160 staff in nine months. Wow. wow. It was crazy. The English-speaking staff? No, all Koreans. All Koreans. Yeah. yeah. So you were running, running a direct sales business in finance, credit carding? No, still, we actually switched campaigns. So we went and we were – the first contract we got up there was with ADT Security. So we're basically ah, selling security, security systems products. to businesses. So mm. it was mainly an SME product. But we also then, I went and signed up LG Telecom for a big campaign as well, which was a bit of a feather in my cap at right. that age when I was mm. pregnant, 26, and dealing uh-huh. with vice presidents of LG. And that's another big long story. <laughs> <laughs> so you were always going to end up doing something in science and business, which is what you've done, because you did a science and economics degree yeah. way back. Back at school, though, were you mm. showing any leadership potential there? Were you running things, captain of this, prefect of that, mm, ordering, no. bossing people around? <laughs> Not in school. I think I was a little bit rebellious in school, oh, actually. Right. Tell yeah. us the stories. Okay. I don't know. I just <laughs> I, I went to a private school, as I say, but yep. where I came from was a very working class area. So I sort of never really, you know, felt 100% mm-hmm. comfortable in that environment. Right. Um, I suppose I always did have leadership skills. I'm the eldest of four girls. Uh-huh. Um, and I, when I was 17, I joined the Army Reserves. So mm. outside of school, right. I sort of mm. did that sort of stuff. I was mm. the first female to join the North Irish Horse, which was the Army Reserve Regiment in our Fantastic. sort of North Belfast. Mm. 
it was a bit controversial. It was the first yeah. woman to really go into the army reserves in Northern Ireland at that time. And like a lot of people, there was a bit of an exodus where some and very the old troubles men were said, still on then. The troubles were on, yeah. So we it didn't, was, you know, the peace agreement was 1998. So I'm presuming that that was quite a yeah, quite we, a decision we couldn't actually to do that. train in Northern Ireland because of the security risks. So anytime we did exercises, we would all get in. I was in the Royal Armoured Corps, so we'd get into our you know tanks and mm. Land Rovers and we'd drive them up the Antrim Road and we'd get onto oh the ferry goodness. at Larne and we'd head over to Stranraer to do all of our training. So yeah, I, I actually did very well in that. So every wow. second weekend I was either in Scotland or England with the TA and I actually headed up the recruitment uh, team and we were trying to get more women to join the regiment. So wow. first in, I was really involved with that. I got my first stripe quite quickly. And then the commanding officer basically said, like, you're, you know, you're smart, you're at school, you're going to go to university. We want to put you forward for your commission and start moving you through into that uh, hmm. officer stream. So then I got my first uh, PIP and I became a potential officer mm -hmm. um, and started all of the training for that. So that was real leadership training. Mm -hmm. You know, I was put in front of, right. you know, a lot of men who were, you know, twice, three times as old as me. And I was having to boss them around when and I was And I've 17. seen the way you run your sales team <laughs> and your team and yeah. you don't suffer fools. I don't. And it, I can see where that comes from. Yeah. That comes from the upbringing, that comes from the army, probably comes from family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that, that experience in Northern Ireland. You Probably, know, yeah. Incredible. Definitely good resilience training. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and running and owning a business, your first business at 24, and now this is, your, what, your fourth your fourth business. Yeah. It's fantastic. Um, so after Seoul, you, you back to, or to Perth? Via Barcelona. So mm -hmm. we went oh, my to, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> We're going around the world it's today. Not, it's not a short story. <laughs> yeah, so we... We were finishing, so I'd had my daughter Hannah out there and right. she was two and we were sort of thinking, mm. making great money, but is this really the lifestyle that we want? You know, mm. we moved from Ireland to Perth because mm. we loved Perth and we loved Australia and, you know, mm. that's where we wanted to be. Uh, and what year are we at now in the story? We're we mid -2000s? are... Mid-2000s? Yes. Okay. 2004, 2005. Right. So, yeah, it was pretty much March of 2005 that we left Seoul. And we went for a very short-term contract over to Barcelona. And there was an established business over there that had had some real issues with right. the country head who was running it, who for the global organization that we were all contracting to, that had some issues with him. And Tim and I sort of had a very good, clean reputation in the organization. And um, they asked us to just go over and basically clean up you know, right. a lot of the bad of stuff that was going yeah. on. So yeah. we went over there for 12 months. And then after 12 months, we came back to Perth. Back to Perth. And, and that was back in 2006. That's when you had your first water cooler business. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So after we arrived, we spent a little bit of time just like looking around to see what we could do. Mm. Um, we were really looking for a product that we could used the skills that we developed over the previous six or seven years, which is building high-performance sales teams. Mm. Right. And a product that would support our lifestyle at that time. So when we set Cola Cooler up, it was never meant to be, you know, this huge big mm. business that you have your big exit, you know, right. at the end of. It was really a lifestyle business. So right. it was a rental model. 
You know, mm-hmm. businesses were renting their coolers from us. We ran a small team of service guys who went and cleaned them, changed the filters. And it was really, it was basically 10 hours a week. You know, once right. it was built, you would recruit teams in the summer, send the guys out, run marketing and sales campaigns from right. sort of November through to February. They would sign on to contracts then. And then it was just a service business. So, so these were that. filters that you'd sit inside an office and people would pour tap water into, and then it would filter the tap water out. Yep. That sort of a business, as opposed to what you're doing now, which is a point of entry system system that filters the water as it comes into the property. Yes. So it's point of use. So it's an actual water cooler. So cooling the water, and we had filter bottles that sat on the top. So they could pour tap water in, the filter would be in the bottle, or we could plumb it in and put the filter into, into the back of the unit. And you had two more kids, as you say, lifestyle business. You did something yes. that you, you know, <laughs> having three children, yeah, all under the age of five or six, I think, at the yeah. time, and then building that up. And um, Tim, I think, went off and became a policeman at one he stage, did. didn't he, your husband? But now he's <laughs> he back in your business now, both of you running it. Yes. So I run about, after running um, Cola Cooler for a while, we couldn't help but expand it. So, you know, we just sort of got going here and it was still a lifestyle business, but we just wanted it to be a little bit bigger. So we established a licensee model Mm -hmm. and then would, you know, go into new cities and build a rental base and then sell that on as a business, as a going concern. They would then become a customer of ours and we would supply all the products to them. So we were still doing all the importing and then supplying the licensees. Mm -hmm. And we did that for a number of years, but it was, it was a little bit unchallenging after a while. And what happened was... When you sell a business, you know, when someone's got Mm. $400,000, $600,000 to buy a business from you, they tend not to be the most motivated people. Well, that's our experience anyway. So we were selling these businesses to people who just wanted to buy a business because they couldn't create one themselves. Mm -hmm. But we thought they'd be able to continue on with the growth that we had set up. But what happened was they, they tended to just sit on the exact same rental base that they bought off us. Yep. And yep. so every year as people cancel Lifestyle because they weren't out there building it every year, it was just dwindling. Yep. And because we'd sold that territory, we couldn't really jump in and do anything about it. So that's yep. that was definitely not going to happen this time with this business to use a licensee model. Right. We wanted to be able to drive everything ourselves. So mm-hmm. franchising is not going to be the way you grow it. You're going no. to own it as you yeah. as you develop. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think before too long, within a year or two, I think you'll probably be in, the, in America, won't you? When, when things settle down there, I think Hopefully. That'll, be, that'll be a market. Definitely mm-hmm. with the PFAS product, the end of 21, early 22. We're rattling along and we're going to get to a rapid quick wire, quick wire in a minute, which we use to sort of finish off and round off because mm-hmm. we don't know any other way to finish this than <laughs> say, well, it's stop. Fire we you. did the same. But before that, I've got one final question. Um, you've been highly awarded and the business is going exceptionally well. Um, you're very modest, but I think you're you're touching revenues now almost a million a month, which is quite incredible from the fact it's only two and a half years old. How have you f- fitted in or seen or viewed or not the startup scene here in WA? Um, you it's a they're very much often technology businesses and i know there's some technology in your business but how do how do you view the startup scene and, and feel a part of it i think it definitely got a little bit richer for me whenever better labs invested into the business because right. that sort of pulled me into that you know startup scene that they're involved with and yes. i've been to several events since then and 
Yeah, there does seem to be a real thriving startup scene here in WA. It mm. is very tech focused. Yes. Um, I just finished the Springboard Accelerator program. Right. And there were nine women, all of them tech. I was the only one who wasn't IT or, you know, yes. SaaS-based mm-hmm. platform. Everyone mm-hmm. SaaS, SaaS, SaaS. You had a product. Mm. Yes. Although there is some technology in there it. There is water filtration mm. technology, yes. but it's not sort of technology, technology, the way people Understood. think technology yeah. is. It's not yeah. B2B SaaS, which yeah, is yeah. every other yeah. tech business. Yeah. Trend. Mm. And that is a real, I, I suppose, you know, when I started having those conversations about raising money, a lot of people don't even want to look at you because you don't have, you know, a subscription SaaS platform yes. type model. You know, a lot of venture capitalists are very uh, excited about that and there seems Indeed. to be a lot of focus on it, even there though they is. have quite a big failure rate as well. Mm-hmm. Some almost exclusively only invest in B2B SaaS. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and I won't I won't name them, but uh, someone said to me about you, ah, it's hardware. You know why they call it hardware? It's hard, Charlie. <laughs> Okay, well, yeah, startups are hard. Yeah, but look that's what right. she's doing. And the success speaks for itself. Anyway. Yeah. So, Suzanne, let's <laughs> kick off the quick fire. Okay. Um, rapid answers. Okay. From here. <laughs> All right. So, what's the single most important factor that makes a successful startup? Resilience. Absolutely. Mm. Founder as a solo or founder as a team? I have to say solo. Mm. Mm. AI, like it or loathe it? I have to say love it because Facebook is my friend at the minute with the amount of <laughs> your digital focus ah, and right, yeah. digital yeah. Yes. stuff yeah. that we're doing. Yeah. If you were at a bar, what would you be ordering? Mm. I would probably have an espresso martini. Oh, lovely. Nice. Mm. Uh, what does self-care look like for you? That is a funny question to ask someone in a startup. It is. <laughs> That's why we're asking it's it. Important, it is important. Um, self care, suppose it. What is it? It's going to be spiritual care, mental health, and physical health. So, I go to church. Mm. I read my Bible. I try and exercise a little bit, mm. and just spend time with family and the kids. Mm. Right. And that does keep me right. Uh, what are you reading or listening to right now? I am reading lots of Excel spreadsheets <laughs> and P&Ls and balance sheets. <laughs> <laughs> I am actually not reading a book. I love to read, but right. I love to read novels. So one of the uh, last novels that I read was Shantaram. I'm not sure if mm, I yes, read, I read that, that one. I love that. Years ago. Yeah. But hopefully and get a bit of reading over Christmas. Yes, mm. it's a good time. And last question, who should we interview next? Hmm. Have you had James Edwards on yet? No, from I haven't Battle actually. Labs. Also from Battle Labs. Yeah, no. had Derek. Derek's James. Uh, part yeah. in crime at Battle Labs. Mm, yeah. Good one. Thank you. Mm. So thank you, Suzanne. It's been fabulous it's been to fantastic. chat. Great. It's awesome and learn more about you and and your you know very successful business. Mm. Um, thank, so you thank you very, very much, much for having me on. And we wish you and your team all the best for the future. Also, thanks to our sponsors. The Startup West podcast is support is produced by Startup News and is made possible by the support from Space Cubed Co-working Spaces, the New Industries Fund, Curtin University, the City of Perth, RSM, and our new sponsor, Dinner Twist. Mm. We recorded this podcast at the Rift Studios in beautiful downtown Perth, West Australia. Don't forget to subscribe to Startup West on your favourite pod platform and all our latest episodes will appear on your feed, just like magic. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review because that way people can hear about us. They can. Now, this there will be one more podcast in 2020, a live panel discussion as part of the upcoming Frio Startup Fest with three startup founders who've done great 
things this year. So do look out for that and listen to that one. Um, after that, we'll be back in 2021 with more great stories from WA's exciting startup scene. But thanks today, Suzanne. That was tremendous. Thank and all you. the best for 2021. Thank you. And thanks, Danelle. Thanks, Charlie. <laughs> and thanks, listeners. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.